Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Lord, you are good. We declare that this morning. You are good. No matter what the circumstances may look like around us, no matter what's going on in this world, Father, you are good. Everything that you created was good. Your plan and purposes are good. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus Christ, Lord, to transform us, to give us life. He declared that he is the only way, the only truth, the only life to you, Father. And when we welcome him in, he transforms us and makes us alive. And we give you glory and honor and praise, Father. We pray that that your grace would work through our life as a witness and a testimony to what you've done, to your glory, to your honor, and to your praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. You may be seated. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. Nobody wants to sit there (laughs) for some reason. Yeah, that's... Don't know what's going on there, but <laughs> if you feel crowded over there. Well, happy Mother's Day. We are so thankful for all of the mothers here. We're thankful, uh, as Mike said, I think earlier, none of us would be here today if it wasn't for our mothers. Uh, and we just uh, are so blessed by each of each one of you. My, my wife, Ken, I'm so thankful for her, my own mother, uh, and just are so thankful. We have a, a photo booth out here in the foyer and one outside, actually, in this little grove of trees outside these front doors. If you have a minute afterward and would like to take a picture with your kids while they're all dressed up and hopefully have a smile on their face, you can do that this morning. Uh, if you're a guest, we're so thankful that you're with us this morning to worship. Uh, we would love to meet you personally and answer any questions that you may have after the service. Before we uh, jump into the message, I wanted to uh, give an update to last week's message. If you were with us last week, I gave an example and had a golf club out here and a tennis racket and was just talking about how we have to practice our faith and the disciplines of the faith just like we do in a sport or anything that we want to perfect or get, get better at. And so yesterday, uh, Candy and I had the opportunity to go watch our middle schoolers play tennis. And uh, Lorelai Kimbler and her partner are district champs for the seventh grade, mixed doubles, yeah. And then Caroline White and Talon Clements are uh, the district champs of eighth grade mixed doubles. So, and, and all three of those are attend here in New Covenant, so we're so proud of them. But the reason that I had to bring it up again is uh, at the at the eighth grade side, when I was at the high school, I had the opportunity to talk to Coach Pizer again in person. And so I was telling him, I said, by the way, you were a example in last week's message. And he kind of started laughing. And he was like, yeah, I, I heard you talked about tennis. He said, I didn't know you mentioned me personally. But as we talked about it, he actually got aggravated. And uh, not that I not that I'd used him as an example, but you know we were talking about that talent. I told him I said, yeah, you know I I said how I tried to use my own age as an excuse uh, that my kids could beat me now at tennis, and and you know but I knew that you were you know somewhat older than, than I am, and that you still wiped the floor with all these kids. And, and he wasn't aggravated about that either. That sounds bad, but but that that wasn't it. He just he said he's like. They can't beat me with my left hand. And so he's got these varsity seniors, and he, so he was just getting all fired up. He was like, they should be able to beat me by now with my left hand. 
But it just, when he said that, I was like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta share that tomorrow morning because, you know, the whole point was about how effective practice with a purpose is. And whether it's sports or our jobs or our spiritual life, when we do those things and practice and work with intent and purpose, it makes such a difference to the point that, uh, this man of unknown age <laughs> who coaches our children in tennis can beat these senior varsity kids in high school who are 18 and 17 years old with his non-dominant hand because he knows what he's doing. He's practiced. He's perfected it. That, when we practice like that and combine that with the grace of God, there is nothing that he can't do. So we're going to conclude this. And, and if you haven't been here for the other two messages, those are online and are on our Facebook page and our website, you can listen to those to, to get caught up if there's something in this message that you hear and you want to know where it came from. But we're going to conclude this series. It's titled Burning Grace this morning. And I hope that it's had as much of an impact on you as it has on me. For me, it's really expanded my perspective on God's grace. If you have your Bible with you this morning, you can go ahead and turn to chap, uh, Acts chapter 6 and 7. That's where we're going to spend the majority of our time, and we'll get there in a minute. But before we do, I want to cover the definition of grace and the quote where this uh, series came from one more time. And I've gone over these countless times, and they're still speaking to me, so hopefully those of you hearing them for the third time this morning can still appreciate the truth in, in these words. The first thing that we're going to look at is the simple but profound definition of grace. And that is that grace is God acting in our lives to accomplish what we cannot accomplish on our own. With this in mind, we could start out every day with a prayer for God's grace to be active in our lives every moment of every part of our day. We're going to look at three testimonies in the message this morning that all show God's grace. Him acting out in their lives to accomplish what they could have never accomplished on their own. But before we do that, let's take a look at that quote uh, from the late theologian Dallas Willard. He wrote, If you would really like to be into consuming grace, just lead a holy life. The true saint burns grace like a 747 burns fuel on takeoff. Become the kind of person who routinely does what Jesus did and said, and you will consume much more grace by leading a holy life than you will by sinning. Because every holy act you do will have to be upheld by the grace of God. And that upholding is totally the unmerited favor of God in action. So the first time that I read this quote months and months ago... uh, Something else had popped into my head, another quote um, from another uh, man uh, that, that most of y'all will recognize his name. Uh, and, and I really thought it was going to come up in the, one of the first two messages, but it, it held off until this, this last one. And it was a man by the name of John Wesley. If you, if you know who John Wesley is or don't know who John Wesley is, he was the founder of the Methodist Church. I want to preface this quote. Uh, by saying, and any time I share anything, whether it's a biblical uh, theologian or perspective or, you know, their, how they interpret scripture or a quote like this, if there's kind of a competing uh, thought or, or that it may be in question, I always want to make that clear because I never want to use something that might be uh, not true but just make a good point. You know, uh, that, that, that would be uh, dishonest. And so... Uh, 
this quote was never written by John Wesley. It's not in any of his writings or sermons. It, it says it comes from a conversation that somebody had with him. And so if you go online and type in this quote, you'll see lots of people who adamantly say he said it and it's from him. No question. There's a lot of people who say, no, they don't, they don't think he said it. All that to say, whether he said it or not, the sentiment is true. Uh, we could talk about countless uh, events and accounts in the Bible. We could look at, at, at people of the faith that have been great, uh, just shown great grace and God working through their life in, our, in the faith of Christianity. And this quote holds true. So I just want to preface that before, before I share it. So if you look it up and, and see that, no, he didn't say it, you don't, you don't come back uh, to me. So the account is presented this way that somebody asked John Wesley this question. They said, what is your secret? Why do so many people come to hear you preach? And he preached to just thousands and thousands, even at one time, probably over his ministry, preached to millions and just riding his horse around as a circuit preacher. But here's the way that they say he answered. I get alone with God in prayer. He sets me on fire and the people come out to watch me burn. He gets alone with God. God transforms him, works in him. His grace is moving in his life, and people cannot come uh, do anything but come and see what's going on and what, what he may have been saying. And we've looked at grace as God accomplishing in and through our lives what we could never accomplish on our own. Last week, we looked at how we grow and mature in our relationship with Jesus Christ through practicing of spiritual disciplines. Men and women of God who have practiced and matured in these disciplines, like John Wesley did in prayer, have had God demonstrate his great grace in their lives. As I said, whether or not this quote was said by John Wesley really doesn't matter. In his life and throughout church history in the lives of those men and women who really practiced the spiritual disciplines of fasting and prayer and worship, solitude, silence, service, study, and fellowship. Through their lives, God displays His great grace. He does in their lives what they could have never accomplished on their own or in their own abilities. It's His miracles, His Spirit shining through their lives. If we allow Him to, God will set us on spiritual fire. If we are consuming the grace of God, like a 747 on takeoff, understanding and knowing that we can do nothing, absolutely nothing apart from Him, apart from His grace in our lives, and allow our actions to be led by Him, the holy acts that we do, the righteous acts that we do, the words that come out of our mouths will honor and glorify Him because they're not us. They're not ours, but by His grace alone and His work in and through our lives. My prayer is that God will light us all on spiritual fire. That we will be full of His grace and have a passion in our hearts that cannot be quenched. The prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29 said, If I say I will not mention Him or speak any more in His name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. If you read Jeremiah's whole testimony and his words, there's a part uh, where he actually says, like, God, they don't even listen to me. 
You tell me to say all this stuff and I proclaim your word, but nothing changes. They're not listening to your word. And so he got tired of saying stuff that nobody was responding to. And he didn't want to do it anymore. But here he's saying it burned like a fire within him. And even when he didn't want to speak anymore, he said that he got literally got weary from trying to hold it in. And it was like a fire within him. And when it came out, it was evident that those words were by the grace of God. God working in and through him and speaking through him and accomplishing things that he could have never accomplished on his own. We need to fill up on the grace of God in our life by practicing those spiritual disciplines and then letting God's grace flow through us. There's a great example, a testimony of a man that was full of God's grace. And it's found in Acts chapter 6 and 7. And we're going to read some of the account, but I'm going to highlight the majority of it because we couldn't, uh, we wouldn't have time to read it all this morning. But I would encourage you to read both these chapters sometime this week. So Acts chapter 6 opens up with a complaint in the church. And I'm, I'm very thankful that we don't have complaints in the church anymore. This was something that happened many, many years ago, um, just at the beginning. And so, and, and, and we're just real thankful for that, and I know you are as well. But so back then, when there were complaints in the church, a group of people were complaining that their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution uh, for food. And so the twelve apostles came and they called all the other disciples and they said that they, that they couldn't give up preaching the word of God to serve tables and that they needed to appoint seven men to take care of these duties. And then they listed out the qualifications that these seven men needed to have. And the, the qualifications said that they had to be men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom. So they followed this advice. They found and appointed seven men, uh, and one of them was a man by the name of Stephen. Acts 6, 5 says that Stephen was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. The apostles then prayed for all these men and laid hands on all seven men. And Acts 6, 7 through 8 says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This is really impressive. Not only was God uh, converting people, were people coming to faith in Jesus Christ, but even priests were converting uh, to Jesus Christ and coming to faith in him. And verse 8 says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. So Acts chapter 6 says that Stephen was full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, full of grace, and full of power. And this man was assigned to serve tables and take care of widows. Remember, grace means that God accomplishes what only he can accomplish in our lives. And Stephen was full of the grace of God. Verse 9 says, Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. God was working in and through Stephen in ways that he could have never accomplished on his own. Verse 11. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. 
And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Again, they were seeing and experiencing things beyond Stephen's control or ability in the flesh because he was full of grace. He was full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of power. Also note that they weren't happy about it. Stephen was doing God's will, and their response was to raise up false witnesses against him and accuse him. So what happens next? Well, Acts 7, 1 through, 1 through 2 says, The high priest said, Are these things so? And Stephen then answered them. This is another part that you'll need to read on your own from verse 3 through 50, uh, 53. Stephen gives his response, and his response is a recounting of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, all the way from Abraham through Christ. And so he gives, uh, gives them this account and tells them how they can be saved by Jesus Christ and preaches the full gospel. And then we pick up in verse 54. When they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Talk about being full of grace. As they were stoning him, his response was that God would forgive them and not hold their sin against them. His prayer was that they would receive the seeds of the gospel of Jesus Christ that he had just planted moments ago and that they would come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. There is absolutely no question that Stephen was burning grace like a 747 on takeoff. He experienced several things that Jesus did personally. You know, one of our uh, responses often when we uh, say how we follow Jesus Christ, our first thing is to say, well, we can't do it like he did because he was the Son of God. But Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and I'm going to give you the grace of God and his mercy and live in you and fill you and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can, if you totally depend on me, live the life I'm calling you to. And Stephen is an example of that. He experienced several things that Jesus did, and by the grace of God, he responded in exactly the same way. And Stephen, you know, a lot of times people say, well, then what about the the apostles? You know, we can't be like the apostles either. Stephen wasn't an apostle. He was a disciple that they set over serving tables and serving widows. So Stephen had false accusers. Jesus had false accusers. Stephen was killed unjustly. And Jesus Christ was killed unjustly. 
And Jesus prayed from the cross that God would forgive them because they didn't know what they were doing. And as Stephen was being stoned, he also prayed, God, forgive them. Don't hold this against them because they don't know what they were doing. Stephen was operating under the grace of God. God was working through him in a way that only he could and nothing that he could have ever done in his own ability or in his flesh. And he calls us to do the same thing. The other two testimonies that I'll be sharing this morning are of godly women. They were wives and mothers who shared the gospel of Jesus Christ empowered by the grace of God as well. In honor of Mother's Day, I wanted to highlight some faithful mothers in church history that clearly operated in God's grace and had a fire burning in them that others around them definitely took notice of. These are much more modern than than the Bible stories. There's countless women in the Bible, the prophetess Deborah, Esther, uh, and we could go on, both Marys. We could go on and on of many women who, who led great spiritual lives and followed in the grace of God. But like I said, I wanted to bring it a little bit more modern. The first one's a little, still a little old. It's 1800s, but that's much more recent than biblical history. The other one is very, very recent. But this lady's name was Maria, and she was a missionary in China in the mid-1800s. Maria was the orphan daughter of missionary parents, but her own faith was strong and tenacious. She met a fellow missionary by the name of Hudson Taylor. Maria considered China her home and spoke the local dialect fluently. In spite of opposition, the couple married, and Maria endorsed her new husband's controversial but effective approach to missions, which was that of dressing like the Chinese people they were trying to reach for Christ. The young couple loved God and each other, and on this foundation, they built their ministry, which eventually became the Inland China Mission. Hundreds of young men and women devoted their lives to taking the gospel into the inaccessible and hostile interior of China. Maria supported her husband and raised their children while training single women from England to work as independent missionaries in China. She was willing to sacrifice every comfort and convenience for Christ and set a firm and inspiring example for younger missionaries to follow. Surviving even a life-threatening riot with calmness, and you know that there was only one way to do that, and that would be by the grace of God. Only four of her nine children survived childhood, but all four who did survive served as missionaries in China. Maria died young and was buried with her youngest child in China. But her faith never wavered. Maria persevered through trials and persecutions. And in her own words, she said, As to the harsh judgings of the world, or the more painful misunderstandings of Christian brethren, I generally feel that the best plan is to go on with our work and leave God to vindicate our cause. Be faithful in what God has called you to do. Don't look at the circumstances. Maria obviously faced many trials, including misunderstandings among other Christians, but she did it with grace and let God handle the results. If we allow God to work his grace in our life, we can be like Maria and Stephen, staying focused on what God has called us to and leaving everything else to him. The other testimony, as I mentioned, is much more recent. Elizabeth was born in 1926 and passed away just seven years ago in 2015. So most of us here this morning would have been alive uh, when she was alive just, just seven years ago. 
In college, Elizabeth had a vivid personality and strong faith. It was there that she met a fellow student by the name of Jim Elliott. The couple were attracted, but chose to put Christ first in their relationship, even when they parted and thought they might never get married as a consequence of trying to do what they felt was pleasing to God. Elizabeth served in Ecuador as a missionary, and it was there that she and Jim reunited and married before having a baby girl and planning a mission to to an unreached tribe. Jim was martyred by the people they were trying to reach. But Elizabeth went on to live and serve among that tribe that had killed her husband with her little girl. Later, at home in America, Elizabeth wrote and spoke about faith to others. She experienced more personal sorrow when her second husband died of cancer. Elizabeth refused to feel sorry for herself and remained faithful to God in spite of the multiple heartbreaks. She would eventually enjoy a long and happy third marriage and life as a grandmother while writing her much-beloved books. She lived what she preached, trusting God, keeping a quiet heart, and doing the next thing. Can you imagine what it would have been like to have your husband killed by the tribe you were trying to reach for Christ and then still staying with your young daughter to minister to them? I don't think we have to use much imagination to hear Elizabeth praying for that tribe. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Her heart was for them and to reach them for Christ. Praying the same prayer that Jesus and Stephen would have prayed. In her own words, she said, The fact that I am a woman does not make me a different kind of Christian. But the fact that I am a Christian makes me a different kind of woman. By God's grace, through Him doing in and through us what only He can do, each of us should be different kinds of women. And each of us should be different kinds of men. And it's only by the grace of God. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. Seek God and seek His grace. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come to God's throne of grace in confidence and find the grace that you need, the fuel that you need in your time of need. Time spent with God changes us. It transforms us. We mature and we grow Practicing time in His presence is the most important thing that we can do. Our biggest excuse for not spending time with Him is usually that we don't have enough time. But the truth is that we don't have time not to practice spending time with Him. No time is better spent than that used to improve the quality of our relationship with God. Spending time in prayer and silence and solitude can be the most valuable thing that we do. When we spend that time with Him, He fills us up with His grace and we come out on fire, on spiritual fire for Him. And it's evident to everyone that's around us. It's also evident that it's God who's working in and through us, not anything that we could accomplish on our own. 
When we walk out our faith in this manner, we can trust that God is at work and in control. We begin to realize that the outcome doesn't depend on us. It's totally dependent on Him. We are free to follow Him, free of frustration, of trying to make things happen in our own strength, and can live in His joy regardless of the circumstances. Before we close, I just want to share uh, one quick testimony. There was a man, and he's still living. He's, he's fairly advanced in, in age now, but he was a, a pastor in the church that Candy and I attended in, in Amarillo for many years. And I had a really close relationship with him while we were there and when I was a college student there in Amarillo. His name was John Love, or is John Love. He's, like I said, he's still, still living. But I can honestly say I've never been around anyone else quite like him. Literally just being in his presence, sitting with him and talking with him, you would feel the peace of God, the grace of God, the joy of God just exuding off of him. And I knew it wasn't anything he was doing or did. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't his personality. It wasn't, his, it wasn't any of those things. It was the fact that he spent time with God. He practiced that faithfully. And when he would leave God's presence, God went with him. And God's grace just overflowed from him. And I could see, again, just being in his presence, that God would do in his presence things that that man could never accomplish on his own. I, would, I, I can honestly, like I've never been more relaxed in my life than I was just when I was sitting and visiting with that man. Because of the grace of God that was evident in his life. And just being in his presence was a ministry. So I've seen this type of fire in people's lives, and I know many of you have as well, and it's not something special that we can't achieve, and it's not something that we can ever achieve on our own. It's simply by practicing being in the presence of God. And if we devote that time to Him, that that alone time, that time of prayer, that time of solitude, that time of practicing those spiritual disciplines, the grace of God, Him doing what only He can do in and through our lives will follow us out of that prayer closet everywhere that we go. 1 Peter 5.10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Our God, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, God the Father himself, will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you by his grace. All we have to do is come to Him, to His throne of grace, and spend time with Him, practicing the spiritual disciplines and letting Him fill us with His grace so that we can display His grace everywhere we go, in everything we say, and in everything that we do. If we follow God like that, we are, like we are called to, we will burn grace like a 747 on takeoff, and people will come to watch us burn to see the grace of God in action, 
to see God accomplishing what only He can accomplish. And we can do that everywhere we go, at our homes, with our children, in our jobs, in, in church, in the grocery store, everywhere that we go, the grace of God will go with us and empower us to do what only He can do. Will you bow your head with me as we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your grace. Father, we thank you that if we just would spend the time in your presence, you will fill us. You are the God of all sufficiency. You will give us the peace we need. You will give us the hope we need. You will give us the faith we need. You will give us the grace we need. You will give us the mercy we need. Father, you will give us everything that we need if we simply come to you and spend time in your presence. And you will be glorified in the grace-filled life that we live everywhere we go and everything that we do and everything that we say. Father, I pray that every ear, every heart in this place and that's listening to these words, Father, that their heart would be open to the voice of the Holy Spirit, that they would hear you speaking. And Father, that whatever you're saying to them, whatever you're saying to me, that we will respond that will simply respond and that will make time for the most important thing not only in this world but in this universe and that's you and our relationship with you give us the grace and mercy to do that Father we pray in the name of Jesus Christ Amen I was super blessed to have a mom who had grace God gave her everything she needed to deal with all of this. And I know many of you were blessed the same way. So today, if you can, reach out to her. Give her a physical hug. Pray for her. Call her. Talk to her. Take her out to lunch. Um, If your mom's not here, bless another mom. Because they are women full of grace. And that's all because of who God is in them. Amen. Our handouts for May are available, so you can see all the events that we have going on this month at New Covenant. One I need to bring to your attention is the men's breakfast on May 14th, 8 o'clock, in the Fellowship Hall. Men, bring a neighbor, bring your sons. Come listen to one of your peers speak uh, for breakfast, and we'll have biscuits and gravy and eggs. and It's a good time. So, men, May 14th, bring somebody, have breakfast with us. Let me pray. Father God, thank you. For mothers full of grace. And Lord, I thank you that it is your grace working through them that makes all things available, all things possible. Lord, I ask that you bless our mothers who are represented here. Lord, those who are not here, Lord, show them love. And thank you for giving them your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 